When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to week four of the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. My name is Tim Allenball, and over the next 15 to 20 minutes, we are going to line it up with a member of the media from FSU's next opponent. Florida State currently stands at a barely 3-0 after struggling mightily in Chestnut Hill against Boston College. Uh, up next, Seminole's got another nooner, this time against Oh, the Clemson Tigers. So to help us get to know Clemson a little bit better, we have Ryan Cantor from Shaking the Southland. Ryan, how are you, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so excited. Uh, I, I This is our second year recording. I'm going to blow you away because I think I'm going to say DJ's name right when I get down to it later. You taught me last year, but uh, no promises. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see how you do. <laughs> they got well, it wrong the entire uh, Fox uh telecast it was, it was brutal i was dying <laughs> i uh i remember last year like i practiced 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 and then i got to it and i froze and you walked me through it and so like now when i talk about him to everybody else say his name correctly but i'm probably going to freeze here when we get to my quarterback question but we'll see how you handle the pressure hopefully yeah. better than him <laughs> well uh ryan let's start with the elephant in the room here uh the duke game Clemson drove all through the field in the second half, multiple turnovers, uh, and just gave that game away. We know Duke's improved. We know Mike Elko's a great coach. We know their quarterback can dunk. But how much of that game was early season mistakes versus potentially cracks in the mighty Clemson armor? Yeah, so I think you have to say both are true, right? Like, they missed two field goals. They've now replaced their field goal kicker with a walk-on who was not on the team like two days ago, right? So that's not early season flubs, right? That's that's real. 
Um, they had three turnovers, really four, if you count a turnover on downs where Cade Klubnik slid instead of dove. He would have had it, but he he slid into your your down where you start the slide. So he he didn't make it. He actually got targeted and it, it was correct. It was targeting. They upheld it, but it was a turnover on downs. So it was technically like after we lost possession. So they did they we lost the game on that, right? So that's not a fluke. That's you know, a lack of experience. And I think some of that carries over. We've also seen them get a lot better, particularly second half, uh, basically the last game and a half, more or less, they've been really good. So I think you'll see Clemson play better than they did against Duke, just like I'm sure you'll see Florida State play better than they did against Boston College. So, you know, if Clemson comes out and plays like they did against Duke, they're going to get crushed. I, I don't think you can count on that. I think they're better than that, but they're it's not a total anomaly either. Right. Uh, it's, it's a it's a good opinion there because I, I don't think they're as bad as they put against Duke. I don't think you can do what they did in the second half against Duke, like <laughs> repeatedly. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Clemson had a big change in offense this year. Garrett Riley came over from TCU to coach the quarterbacks and call the plays. Uh, it's been tossed around that they want to play the dreaded lethal simplicity uh, terms. I think that was Willie Taggart terms at, at Florida State. Uh, but the goal is not to make it too comp- complicated. Let these guys have fun out there, some freedom. How do you feel the offense has performed so far, even you know with the limited competition post Duke? I think you're seeing Garrett Riley make make a stamp that that's improved. And, and to be fair, I thought Brandon Streeter, you saw improvements from what Tony Elliott had done the, the year prior. And and part of that's the talent. But I think you can kind of see creativity regardless of the, just the players on the team. And I think they are more creative. Last year, I was begging, look, your two best playmakers are running backs. Get them both on the field. I don't care how you do it. Your receivers aren't 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 getting it done. Take one off and put, put a running back on or take a tight end off. And they do that all the time now, right? So it's that sort of thing. He's willing to play to, you know, where this team's strengths are. Um, when Adam Randall had a 28-yard reception, they sprint up to the line and immediately hand it off to Felmoff, who runs a 19 yards for a touchdown. So they, they use tempo more. Streeter did it a little bit better than Elliott, and Riley seems to be doing it better than him, right? So I, I like the offense. I think it's, it's better, um, better devised, but they're still not that explosive. And, you know, I think we felt like, this guy could get anyone open, right? Like anyone could play wide receiver for Garrett Riley, but you know, you still got to have some playmakers with some speed. And I think that's an issue. Yeah. Um, speaking of offense and helping uh, throw some of these guys open, it, it's the Cade Klubnik show now at, at Clemson uh, after he and DJ Uwe Ungaloy split time last year. The sophomore uh, has struggled a little bit with turnovers uh, this year. Uh, but do you feel like he's taking steps in the right direction? And, and overall, like, where do you feel like are his strengths versus his weaknesses? Yeah, I, I do. I, I do like Kate. I mean, he's he's inexperienced. He didn't start last year. They maybe should have used him earlier, but I think they probably saw some of these uh, rookie mistakes or, or kind of high school plays. And so they didn't want, they didn't trust him as much, but he's definitely a faster runner and a more accurate passer than DJ was. Um but he makes mistakes, you know, like sliding instead of diving, right? He makes mistakes like um, there was a play in the last game where uh, Adam Randall ended up making a catch, but he failed to send a wide receiver in motion. So the whole spacing was off and, and it actually got tipped by another Clemson wide receiver. Obviously, you don't want two wide receivers like right next next to each other. So he kind of botched the play. It worked out. But those are the type of mistakes he makes. But I think he's got 
a ton of talent. I think, you know, give him six years, he could be as good as Jordan Travis or better, but right. He's a sophomore. So um, I, I think it's just, he's just not super experienced. I, I'm pushing for Travis to come back for, for a seventh year or whatever year it is. <laughs> just all time QB for Florida just state forever. He's going to be our Riley Skinner. Um, you know, the tiger that scares me the most, and you and I already talked about this a little bit earlier on, on your side is definitely Will Shipley. When it comes to offense last year, he torched Florida state for, I think 121 yards on the ground and almost 50 yards passing. I, I, he had the daggers almost every time Florida state looked like they were going to potentially pull this one out. Um, should the Seminoles expect another large dose of Shipley this year? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. They, they, they probably should. I think Phil Maffa is also a great running back. It's, it's interesting that you're, uh, you know, kind of worried about him because I've been a little frustrated. He is an, just he just fights so hard for every yard, and that's what makes him great. Um, when Clemson played um, Wake Forest last year, it was a real shootout, and he was like fighting and diving, and he had a leg held, and he's died jumping off the other leg just to get the first down for like you know an extra foot, and that foot you know was the difference in the game, right? So he's he leaves it all in the field. That's why you love him. Um, but neither him nor Phil Maffa has like Dalvin Cook speed. You're not going to get beat on that 60 yard run, and that that plays into Clemson. And this really goes back to your first question. They're just not super explosive. It's going to be hard to stop them. And we're going to, if, you know, all goes according to plan, just keep pounding. But it's just tough to not make a mistake when you have these really extended drives. So I don't even think Clemson's as mistake prone as it seems. I think they just have more opportunities for mistakes because they don't punt a ton because they're, they're, they're moving the ball. But to have these long, long drives without making a mistake, you know, other teams are going to go, you know, four, five, six, seven, whatever plays and punt or, or just hit a home run ball. And so they didn't have as much time for mistakes. So uh, yes, I think Shipley's great. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of him. I think he'll be effective. Um, but I still think Clemson needs an explosive play to win the game. You know, I, I hate to hear you say that because so much over the years, and even we saw it against Boston college, Florida state was very much playing that bend don't break defense. So you can drive them down the field and with the new clock rules, you know, the, the explosiveness of Florida State's offense goes away if they don't have the ball, uh, which Boston College did really effectively. So kind of hate to hear you say that. But anyways, um, Clemson's had a different leading receiver e each of the first three games. But I, I really feel like, in my opinion, the guy that stands out is Antonio Williams. What makes him so dangerous? But what are some of the other receivers or potentially tight ends that the fans should know about? Yeah, Antonio Williams is, I think, by a decent margin, the best wide receiver Clemson's got. He's like a 5'11", foot shifty punt returner type. They'll play him in the slot. I think they should play him uh, – you know, like off ball wide receiver out wide just to get their their next best receiver who might be freshman Tyler Brown uh, out of Greenville. He's got the second highest PFF grade, not a ton of snaps, but um, he's explosive. He had an explosive play um, in, against Florida, Florida Atlantic um, and they, they need that speed. They lost Cole Turner to a, a muscle tear against Florida Atlantic. He hadn't had a big season, but he was kind of their deep threat they were hoping. So without him, I, I just feel like you got to get um, speed on the field. You got to get someone who can get those explosive, which has been the, the problem the last two years. You got to find a way to make it happen. Bo Collins is the guy who um, is, I don't know if it's necessarily the most well-known, but he's, he's the guy who projects as like a more typical number one outside wide receiver. He's just not very consistent. You know, he goes for 100 and I think 37 
against Charleston Southern. Then he goes for 10 against FAU. Um, he's just pretty inconsistent. He's not a super, super fast guy, um, but he can go up and get it. Um, but he's not super consistent. Adam Randall's a guy that, I don't know, you could tell me if your coaching staff does this too. I, it's fascinating, but it feels like every year Dabo picks a, a guy or two or three and just hypes them and gets everyone's expectations up. And then they're not ready. And it's you know, just left. Did you think, were, were you wrong? Were you hyping them just to, I don't get it. Adam Randall's got a 54.6 PFF grade, which is you know pretty bad. Um, he actually played well in the last game. So if he's turning the corner, I think that's huge. That could be a big X factor. Um, but it's a thin wide receiver group. Um, so I think Antonio Williams is a big, big key. I know. I feel like Dabo hypes up everybody, honestly. So, I mean, that guy's the most excitable man ever. So yeah, uh, not, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, one more question on offense. I was over there at Shake in the Southland trying to read the previews, uh, preseason previews this year. And I think if I recall, four out of five linemen coming back for uh, the Tigers, including old friend Will Putnam, the center that uh, will haunt me forever because Florida State lost out there. Uh, I also read that you guys said they tend to adopt kind of the same method Florida State does, which is cross-training their linemen to be able to play multiple positions. Uh, do you feel the big guys up front are – do you feel that they're a strength this year for the Tigers? Yeah, I, I hate the constant shuffling of guys who are starters, but they're not started at the same position, so they still take a step back. What's nice is this year the four starters all returned, and it's everyone with the left tackle – and they put in a new left tackle, left everyone the same. So they they actually are experienced at the positions they're playing. I do think it's a strength. I don't know that it's, you know, like old school Alabama, not Alabama this year, but old school Alabama just push you over uh, dominant. But I think it's a solid line. I, I feel good about them, you know, performing it adequate, adequately to better. So, yeah, I do feel good about them. I think it's gone from maybe weakness most years to at least a slight strength. I feel good about it. I really feel like that's the matchup to watch is Clemson's offensive line versus Florida State's defensive line. Because I think Florida State's defensive line um, is the best part of the defense. So uh, if they can really hold up against Clemson and potentially shut down Shipley, this game really changes. But if, if it's, I mean, Boston College has a huge offensive line, but there were times where, I mean, they do have a, potential first rounder they were manhandling florida state at times up there yeah i know um, they got mahogany back but they were really yeah. bad last year so that, yeah. that could be a sign yeah um so let's talk on the defensive side of the ball and, and let's stay talking about the lines uh the defensive line over the years at clemson has just been a nightmare for opponents just five star after five star uh you know i still think about christian wilkins just obliterating uh florida state teams so, there's definitely still some studs lurking out there, uh, but is it fair to say the line has taken a step back or, you know, can Xavier Thomas, Tyler Davis and that wrecking crew be more than enough for that seminal offensive line? I think we're going to find out, right? <laughs> we, we don't have a, a ton of sample yet. I, I do really like the defensive tackles. You know, you got Peter Woods, the phenom freshman five-star who's reserve like slash co-starter kind of thing. Rucororo is is very good tyler davis is one of my uh favorites it just seems like he's not going to rack up stats but he just gums up the uh inside run uh and it's just crazy that it goes this far back but in 2020 he missed the notre dame game and i expected clemson to lose because of that i think it was a huge reason they lost um so yeah i like the defensive tackles i think they're very good the defensive ends have been 
not as dominant. Um, Miles Murphy was a first round draft pick, but he wasn't a stud for Clemson necessarily. He was, he showed flashes of his athletic ability and why he was a first rounder, but Clemson didn't really get like first round production per se out of him. Um, XT came, you know, he was a five star. He's been here five years, hasn't really put together a full, healthy, great season. Um, a lot of hype going into this year, but he hasn't been great against the run. Uh, I think he's a good pass rusher, but we haven't, he hasn't really kind of shown out. And then just a mask the other defensive end spot is technically the starter. He's a sixth year guy. He's had a fairly nondescript uh, Clemson career, frankly, after being a, a fairly big prospect. He's, he's fine. He's adequate, but he, he hasn't had a sack since 2020. He's just, you know, not a real game breaker. Honestly, the guy to watch is freshman TJ Parker. He's a defensive end. Who's, you know, he's already just making waves. He'll be a starter next year. I think he's, He's a guy to keep an eye on, number 12. You know, this Clemson linebacking core is probably the best in the ACC. Two preseason all-ACC entries with Jeremiah Trotter and Barrett Carter. Uh, not to mention the emerging Wade Woodas. Is it fair to say that the linebackers are the strength of this Clemson defense? When healthy and playing like they should be, yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, Barrett Carter's had a little bit slower start to the year. His PFF grade's kind of below his standard, but Trotter um, is an exceptional middle linebacker. And I think Wade Wood as is emerging as a really, really great Sam, you know, strong side linebacker. Yeah. I think that trio is really good. And then they've, they've been using some other guys uh, when Wood as comes off, they'll, they'll go to a nickel and they'll put Andrew Makuba um, into the nickel role. You know, he played safety the last two years, but they'll use him there. And and he's kind of a spark plug um, and Khalil Barnes out of a uh, small town near Athens this guy I'm a fan of. He's a true freshman. He played really well against FAU. So they've got they've got some bodies there. You know, they lost TJ Dudley before the season, um, kind of dismissed or not kind of dismissed from the team, went to Ole Miss. So they're they're a little thin, but that first three group and a little bit, of, you know, just a couple of the reserves who are making waves, I think are awesome. So yeah, I think that's that's a strong group, but you know, and we'll talk about this in a second. So I'm kind of jumping in, but I think Clemson is cornerback you, and I I really like their cornerbacks. Oh, I hate to hear you say that because I said that's where I think Florida State might have their advantage when we were talking earlier. But uh, the secondary struggled last year, injuries in, in communication and just general overall mistakes. I know uh, in the offseason, you kind of handled one of the um, the preseason position groups talking about safeties over at Shaken the Southland. What are your overall thoughts on the Tiger secondary? Yeah. So let me start with the cornerbacks. Nate Wiggins last year, uh, early in the year, was pretty bad. And you saw him like develop. It was great. You know, by the end of the year, he's a stud and beginning of the year, he wasn't good at all. So now he comes back and he had a pick six. I don't know if it was the very first play, but you know, first possession FAU you had, and it was great. Place goes wild. He's, he's an NFL guy. I think he's gone after this year. Uh, Sheridan Jones used his COVID waiver. He came back. Um, he's, they don't even throw his way. I feel like he, he's, he's solid. He's rock solid. Um, and then they had a, Two big fresh, uh, two highly touted freshmen last year who are now sophomores. They probably should have played as much as they did last year, but they were just thin. So they got some experience. Uh, Jaden Lucas, he was banged up at times. He had a shoulder issue, um, but he's healthy and he looks really, really good. And then Toriana Pride. So they've even got some depth at, at cornerback. They're not six, seven, but um, I think that's a really good group. And then I mentioned Makuba. You know, he's playing some nickel. He's typically a safe or previously a safety. Um, they have RJ Mickens, who I like a lot. He gets overlooked for some reason, um, but he he tends to lead the team in interceptions like every year. It seems like he's he's very very good. 
Um, and then you have Jalen Phillips, who's a veteran. He's steady. Um, he had a sack against FAU. He's pretty solid. So I, I yeah, I, I like the secondary. I think it's, I don't know that, you know, now that we're talking through it, the defense is fairly balanced. I mean, good cornerbacks, maybe not super elite safeties, but they're, they're solid cornerbacks, uh, excuse me, linebackers, the starters at least are elite. The defensive ends might have some questions, but the D tackles are phenomenal and super, super deep. So the line overall is solid. It's really a pretty balanced defense, to be honest. Uh, do you feel like there's any area that Florida State could potentially have an advantage, offense against defense? Yeah. The thing I'm worried about, there was, there was a particular play in the Boston College game where Florida State had nothing available. And Travis Hunter, there was like maybe third and 10. And Travis Hunter just sneaks off to the side and zips for 10 and a half yards and jumps out of bounds. That's just backbreaking. I just wonder how well um, the, the DNs at Clemson will do and, and the linebackers to some extent, kind of setting that edge and not in containing him and forcing him to beat linebackers. If he gets out on the edge or Toa Philly, um, if they want to work it to the outside, little tosses or passes to the flats, those worry me. Uh, if you can get on the edge and pick up those 10 yards and just, you know, just totally disheartening. So that's that's what I'm worried about. And of course, obviously explosive plays. That's been Clemson's struggle on offense. They were pretty bad about it on defense last year. I think that's solved. I think the secondary is a lot better now. But those wide receivers are so talented for Florida State. So, um, you know, if they could hit on a few explosives and keep drives alive with kind of little little plays on the outside, I think that's that's a potential recipe for a Florida State win. I think the Jordan Travis play you're talking about was when the ball actually got snapped and like skipped off the ground to him yep. and he yep. just kind of scampered and, and almost just walked out of bounds. Yep. He beat the guy so bad. Yeah. Yep. That's, That's exactly the one. I, I think when Florida state's offense is clicking and I know we're kind of going off the, off what we were talking about. I think when Florida state's offense is clicking is when Jordan Travis is not afraid to use his legs. I think sometimes the Heisman height gets to his head and he wants to throw the challenge passes and if he'll just take what's available to him, I think they're a, a much better offense. And I think that eventually opens up those explosive plays. But we'll see which Jordan Travis we get on, on Saturday. Uh, final thoughts, Ryan. What's your prediction, if you don't mind sharing, or at least your overall thoughts for Saturday's game? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's pretty much a toss-up. Um, you know, if, if the Clemson that played first half of FAU comes out, I think they could beat, they could beat Florida State. If it's against Duke, if it's that Clemson team, they're going to get blown out, right? But but same goes for Florida State. If they play like they did against Boston College, Clemson's not going to commit 18 turnovers and let them win, right? They're <laughs> going to get blown out. Um, I think that Florida State will probably play closer to how they did against LSU, and I think Clemson will probably play pretty well too. I think it'll be a close game. I could see uh, Clemson maybe losing by a field goal, 28-31, something like that. Um and I'm not very confident in that pick, but if you force me to pick, I, I would probably take Florida State by a field goal. Maybe the kicker here is uh, Clemson doesn't really have a kicker. <laughs> um, you know, Robert Gunn the third has now officially, I guess, lost the place kicking job after missing two two field goals in the uh, first game. Missed another field goal. Missed a PAT. Um, you know, they gave him a scholarship to come on, and you know he d- does great in camp, and then the season's obviously gone really poorly. So they they brought on a. Uh, a grad student who wasn't on the team called him. He was a backup who had left the team because, you know, they had Robert Gunn, so he wasn't going to play. And they brought in uh, Jonathan Whites, said, hey, man, can you, like, can you come back? And he was like, I haven't kicked since, like, spring. Let me go see if I can still kick. And then he calls Dabo back. He's like, yeah, I still got it. Let's go. 
And so, you know, we're just going to see how he does, I guess. Davo even said, we'll see how warmups go. So that seems ominous. So I think it's going to be close. Maybe that's pun intended to kicker, but I've been yeah. very slightly Florida State. Well, uh, Ryan, if you remember, I like to do a choose your own adventure question at the end. Let's have a little bit of fun and then then I'll, I'll release you tonight. Uh, three options. Uh, you tell me which area you like a question from. I saw that you're a Yankees fan. I am a Red Sox fan. So do you want a Yankees question? Uh, do you want to what are you watching question or uh, do you want to just talk general college football? Let's go to general college football. If basically they gave you your own college football team and gave you the expansion draft, only nobody could protect any player. So who are you building your college football team around that's playing college football right now? Good question. So if I'm just thinking, I'm not going to like delve into when they're leaving yeah, yeah. and all that. I'm going to try to get yeah, a freshman. Yeah. I'm just keep it simple. Probably take the reigning Heisman winner, Caleb, Caleb Williams, right? I think yeah. you certainly build around a quarterback. The other name that's kind of interesting is Travis Hunter. If you're going to use a guy on both sides of the ball and, you know, he's he's younger, so you, you have him for a couple of years. But I think you go with the best quarterback. Yeah. You know, the Travis Hunter pains me because he was committed to Florida State. And uh, me and the guys over at uh, the cover recruiting, while he was committed to Florida State, we were trying to – so anybody and everybody that would listen, Travis Hunter is the best receiver in the class, even though he's the number one defensive back, uh, because yeah. he was he was ridiculous. And we've seen it already. And, and that's that's smart. I mean, that guy's playing so many snaps a game. You can't you can't replicate that. Uh, yeah. Well, so he's hurt now. But yeah. the, the other guy, I don't know that I would necessarily like build around him, but the guy I really like a lot that I feel like gets overlooked. Is Michael Penix Jr. That guy is outstanding, and he really deserves to be a front runner for the Heisman. I, I like him a lot. I think he's from Florida. I think I'm saying right. I want to say around Tampa. I may be completely wrong there, but I remember he was. I think he was. It was when Taggart was here, and Florida State kind of flirted with him near the end. I think after they missed on all their other targets, and they were like kind of throwing Penix a bone, like, "Hey." Are you interested? And he kind of like looked around at Florida State and and said no. But man, yeah, he's from Tampa Bay Tech. Uh, gosh, that guy is just lining it up in Washington. Yeah, and he's he was, great. He was, he was great last year. Too. Yeah. So, well, Ryan, thanks so much. Real quick, tell everybody where they can find you, uh, where to check out all your work before you call tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Please uh, just search my name on YouTube, Ryan Cantor. That's Cantor with a K, K N T O R. And then we've got, uh, I think, a pretty interesting article over on Shake in the Southland that breaks down how Florida State doesn't have a lot of blue chip players, but the way they've built their roster, it it's pretty irrelevant. And they actually have a much more veteran and just older squad than Clemson that could be an advantage. So that's shakingthesouthland.com. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for jumping on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I, I yeah, it. For, so for Ryan Cantor, I'm Tim Ellenwell. This has been Tomahawk Nation's Line of Scrimmage podcast. Uh, until next week, let's keep climbing.